0: Hello and welcome to this week's Key Voices, conversations with folk in and around education. I'm Caroline Doherty, she, her. Today, we're talking LGBTQ inclusion with Stonewall and one of my colleagues from The Key. We will be thinking about RSHE and inclusion, but also LGBTQ much more widely um, across the curriculum and all subjects. We'll also be touching on things like the importance of teacher training in this area, the policies that your school has that can support inclusion, and some of the specific learnings from Ofsted's recent review of peer-on-peer sexual abuse. So a lot of ground covered, but we also flag some places that you can go for support and more information, and we will link to those on the notes on the website. And as ever, I'd just like to remind listeners that this podcast is an opportunity to open up debate and discussion around topics. The views my guests and I are about to express are not the view of the key. For in-depth authoritative articles on the latest issues in education, check out thekeysupport.com. Today, I am joined by Sydney Bertrand Shelton, who is Head of Education and Youth at Stonewall. She, her and Catherine Fowler, content editor at The Key, also she, her. Uh, Sydney and Catherine are here with us today and we are talking about LGBTQ uh, pupils and how you can make your curriculum uh, more diverse and inclusive. So welcome to both of you. Thank you for joining us today. Perhaps we could kick off with you each telling us uh, a little bit about yourselves before we get into the discussion.
1: Yeah, hello everyone, it's lovely to be here. So I'm Sydney, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm Head of Education and Youth at Stonewall. So Stonewall is an LGBTQ plus charity, and we imagine a world where LGBTQ plus people everywhere are free to be themselves and can live their lives to the full. And LGBTQ plus stands for Lesbian, Gay, Bi, Trans, Queer, Questioning, Ace, and it's an, it's an umbrella term, I suppose, for sexual romantic orientation and gender identity. And the way that we do this work in my team is that we work with schools and colleges and any child or young person facing service to be as LGBTQ plus inclusive as possible in everything that you're already doing so that you are properly and appropriately supporting your your LGBTQ plus learners and pupils.
2: Great stuff. And Catherine. Hi. um, Yeah, I'm Catherine. Um, one of the content editors here at The Key, uh, also use she, her pronouns, I am one of the writers and researchers here, so I have recently been spending quite a bit of time um, talking with charities and experts around LGBTQ plus issues and and gender issues, um, and have been helping to write and develop our whole school curriculum audit, and uh, more holistic as well, whole school audit for LGBTQ plus inclusivity.
0: Brilliant. Um, great stuff. And um, I, I mentioned, um, Sydney, you, you appeared on the podcast uh, bif- before, um, probably a couple of years ago now. Um, perhaps you could give us a bit of, a, of an update on what um, Stonewall has been, been doing since we last heard from you in the, in the education space
1: yeah absolutely i think last time the rshe guidance had kind of just been announced or it was it was fresh in everyone's minds and obviously now we're much closer to implementation um So we've created a guide about LGBTQ plus inclusive RSHE and how best to deliver that. We've also launched some research into the experiences of LGBTQ plus young people not in education um, training or work. It's a shutout report and it's a qualitative piece of research. And it's really interesting to see the kinds of barriers that young people face that that create barriers to re-entry, I suppose, into education training or work. And then during COVID, because obviously that was a very difficult time for everybody, we um, we used to do lots of face-to-face training. So we modernized and digitized, I guess, as does everybody. And we've created some wonderful e-learning modules that are all CPD accredited for schools, colleges and settings um, that provide lots of tools and best practice about supporting and improving LGBTQ plus young people's mental health um, and also just supporting LGBTQ plus young people in and of themselves as well. And uh, lastly, we've updated our awards framework. So we, we benchmark schools and colleges according to bronze, silver and gold criteria to indicate whether, um, how inclusive the whole setting, I guess, is. So we've been working on that and updating that to reflect current best practice because, of course, these things move and change as they should.
0: Indeed, and and as you mentioned there, we are a lot closer to um, kind of implementation of the new RSE requirements for schools, and it's been been well documented that that some schools have really faced quite a bit of opposition um, to, to changes uh, rec- recommended there in the, in the framework. Um has has Stonewall been involved um specifically with kind of su- supporting schools where it's been it's been difficult um in with their with their parent communities?
1: We're here to support I think every setting to make sure that they deliver an education that fits and works for the children and young people that they're trying to support, because we know that all children and young people deserve an education that supports them to thrive. So we know that quality um relationship, sex and health education is an important part of keeping children and young people safe, but also helping them to lead happy, fulfilled lives. And that's true for all children and young people, not just those who might identify as LGBTQ plus currently or will grow up to. Um, we've been making a series of webinars to support teachers and practitioners and thinking about how to deliver the LGBTQ plus inclusive aspect. And uh, that goes sits alongside the broader path of the the policies the ethos and and how we're setting my approach that from a leadership perspective so um there's lots to do (laughs) whether the opposition i suppose is very vocal or actually more perceived opposition or um anticipated i guess from from the parent and care community
0: yeah i think i think that is um it can like you say um perception and and these sort of media frenzies that that, that get get whipped up around it um, could perhaps make people um, more fearful and 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 concerned about about making changes. To to me, and I'd be interested to hear both your thoughts on this. A lot of it hangs around um, age appropriateness and and what is appropriate at at what age, and obviously different different people having different perspectives on on that um particularly for for primary schools what what advice would you would either of you give there
2: yeah I was going to um say something about age appropriateness um when we were on the previous um comment it's something that came up a lot when I was um looking into doing our, our curriculum audit um and I think there is definitely a misconception out there that when we talk about relationships and sex education that we're immediately talking about you know, things more secondary age topics um and whether I think in primary school it's far more about things like different types of family that's something that's come up a lot in the with the expert conversations I've been having that it's about general ideas of kind of Difference, respecting difference, knowing that different families look different, everyone's different, and that's okay. Like those kind of inherent um, kind of values. And then just looking at, you know, what makes a family and just highlighting that a family isn't necessarily, you know, a mum and a dad and the the 2.5 kids or whatever, that there are differences and, and, and that's okay, really. I think that's kind of the more. Primary level that we've kind of aimed for in our in our curriculum audit. I'd completely agree. I think um,
1: I think the legacy of Section Twenty Eight means that we're communities broadly we're afraid of what that means. Talk about LGBTQ plus families, but it's absolutely about celebrating difference. And actually, um, some of our Stonewall resources, so a series of posters about different families, same love, are actually referenced in the Department for Education's um, inclusive education guidance, I think it's Annex B, a key resource there. But when you're thinking about like, the whole education and what that actually means, and you're thinking about caring friendships, respectful relationships, families and people who care for me, specifically at primary school level, you're talking about the fact that LGBTQ plus families exist, that they are valid, that they are just as valid as single parents or single carer families, as people who grew up with their grandparents, um, any any other kind of family. And it's that difference that's to be celebrated instead of just ignored or not talked about. Um, And it's not as if homophobic, biphobic, transphobic, bullying and language doesn't happen in primary schools, you know, that's so gay. It's not as if gender stereotypes aren't imposed at primary school level either. You know, that's what a boy should be doing, it's what a girl should be doing. So really, this work is good for all children and young people. And of course, when you move through to secondary school, um the RSHE framework asks that we look at things like gender identity, sexual and romantic orientation. And that's, that's you, we need to be leaving secondary school with that information to be able to have healthy relationships. And we know that LGBTQ plus children and young people want that. They want a, a curriculum that that represents them and their peers and the relationships that they that they seek. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah I think um it's a really helpful distinction to make and and as you say um particularly those points around um gender gender specific language clothing as the as the mother of a, a three-year-old girl who is kind of heavily marketed <laughs> Disney princess stuff too you know you you start to see um uh you know how how easy it it it, it could be um to um to, to not think about these things is actually points that you need to to start to unpick and 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 challenge and um you know give give um young young people the opportunity to express them, them themselves uh, more authentically um uh so yeah, uh, I think I think yeah. For me, it it, it does feel a, a lot of the um, of the the drama around this is is people not really thinking about what what is age appropriate and how to build um, a curriculum that supports young people right through their school um, their school experience, um, and uh, you know, an, an audience that that often um, listens to the podcast uh, is is governors and just um you know we 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 thinking about how they might be aware of their responsibilities under under this um this new guidance and how they can play a role in supporting s- senior leaders in the school to 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 make good decisions here
1: yes good questions for governors to be asking so we know that the department for education guidance asks that schools ensure that they include lgbt relevant knowledge and examples and throughout the program of study not just one off and we know that inclusive language should be used including um so it considers how pupils individually might relate to topics so like really good questions for governors to be thinking about and asking of their schools is what evidence do you have about teacher confidence in teaching lgbtq plus um uh inclusively in the existing curriculum how confident do they feel handling challenging conversations do they know and understand how to s- seek support when safeguarding issues are raised and making sure that teachers have access to support when they are discussing the, the content as well i find that so much of my work is about working with teachers to build their confidence because training or knowledge or even like a fear around the term- terminology around lgbtq plus is the key barrier. To being able to deliver an inclusive curriculum full stop, let alone RSHE.
0: Yeah, and and you know, something that we talked about when we did um, an episode on RSHE particularly was um that sense, and it's very understandable, and anyone who stood up in front of a classroom of children will appreciate this, but you know, that if you sort of go there and start a conversation. And questions come up, and you know things things go on. Are you going to get to a point where you don't, where where you're not quite sure what to say? And and nobody wants um, to to feel that feeling about any topic. But especially one that is as important as this, and you know where you where you're in a role where where young people are listening to you, um, it, it it feels like you know having that that confidence to to open up a discussion and not have to close it down at any point. And um, yeah, what, what what do you suggest there for teachers?
1: I think it's about creating training opportunities where teachers can, I know role play is really awkward, right, but you need to practice having the conversations. And actually, I would say you don't need to be completely fluent and absolutely 100% confident in LGBTQ plus terminology, but you do need to understand it and then how to weave it into the existing curriculum. And then how to handle conversations around it so that you can best support your, your pupils. And if you have to come back to say, listen, I'm not sure I'm going to find out and get back to you, that's OK. Um, the worst thing would be, I suppose, to give misinformation or, or information that actually made a young person think that they were wrong or that there was something about their identity that was fundamentally wrong. This is why I think so much of LGBT inclusion comes down to like really small, tangible, practical changes about, you know, saying things like everyone um. Making sure that people see themselves represented, um, thinking about um, introducing pronouns, for example, when you when you meet people for the first time. So there's lots of we've made a guide which is um, it's called LGBTQ inclusive RSHE putting it into practice, and it's got lots of um, it takes the DFE guidance and it maps it against uh, what LGBTQ plus inclusion might look like for primary through to secondary with some really helpful um, grounding tips, but. Yeah, I suppose that's why the training is so important, right, for the teachers. It's so important that they have the space to create those discussions and that they have the support from the governors. So that if something happens um, or, or it gets misrepresented to the parents of carers or wider community, that the teacher knows that the SLT have got their back and that they're able to tackle it together going forward. Because actually what, what's in the curriculum and what should be covered at each stage is transparent for each member of the school community.
0: Yes yeah Yeah. and Catherine is there anything that that you'd like to add either on teacher training or on on governance?
2: Yeah I just wanted to um, add with regards to governance that um, obviously reviewing school policies is is a big part of governor's roles and um, I think there's several policies which are quite key with some of this so things like the anti-bullying policy or behaviour policy, child protection, Um, it's really good just to be keeping an eye on what are in those policies regarding to, you know, homophobic, transphobic, bullying, gender-related um, bullying, and just ensuring that you've got really clear policies within your school about how those things are going to be tackled as and when they come up. So, and it, it kind of harks back to what we were saying that you know, if these situations do occur, that the whole school feels confident with how to how to respond to those issues.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so just just moving away from the kind of um, uh, RSHE aspect, um, it would be good to talk in a bit more detail about about school how schools can actually think about their curriculum and how to make that as inclusive as possible. Catherine, I know you've been doing uh, lots of work on this, so do you want to kick off there?
2: Yeah, sure. So as you say, I've We've been putting together this um, curriculum audit for schools and that covers both primary and secondary. And what we've done is basically break the curriculum down into the, the key subjects and have just gone through and posed some questions, really, for um, teachers to or subject leaders to think about, to really question how inclusive and how diverse um, that curriculum is so um things like uh role models so which people are being represented particularly with history science um you know are we always teaching about the same people and are those people tending to be straight cisgender men particularly when it comes to history you know are we fully representing the role of women in history the role of lgbtq plus people um, but at the same time, also highlighting people that <laughs> are famous for more than just being you know an advocate because I think it's really important that we're showing that people from all walks of life are playing a really active role in society that it's not just that they're advocates if that if that makes sense um we've also covered quite a bit about family in um primary school which we've already talked about so I won't dwell on that um resources as well we've um included quite a bit about auditing resources so um like maths textbooks is the one that springs to mind you know are all the little scenarios when you do problem solving in maths all about Mr and Mrs Smith going off and doing something or is it you know A boy playing with cars and counting cars and the girl is counting dolls you know and making sure that when you're using those kind of little examples and and things like that in your teaching are they kind of falling into those stereotypes or are there ways that you can make those more diverse so it's really looking at kind of the everyday as well as obviously having those rshe pshe lessons very specifically about um lgbtq plus topics that it's just being fed through the curriculum in in all these little ways to just um yeah to just make sure that it's inclusive in as many ways as possible
0: i think that was a little bit of a ramble (laughs) no 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 that's 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 really helpful to get a sense of um the breadth as, as as well because um yeah like like you say there's lots of uh, sort of unin, unintentional unintended um sort of things in 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 like you say things like math math textbooks that uh that the, the, that do lead to an overall sense of this is how girls are boys are and behave and all go- boys and girls behave in these ways um which which does need to be challenged uh, Sydney, is there anything that you'd that you'd like to add about um, inclusive curricula?
1: Yeah, just that it's um it's so important when you think about the experiences of a child entering into education. Like if they go to a school which tackles homophobic, biphobic, transphobic, bullying and language every time, and they are represented to some extent in the relationship sex and health education, like that's good, but that's not true inclusion. It should be just like Catherine was talking about throughout the maths and the sciences, through the arts, through the histories and embedded throughout. And you have real opportunities to highlight things. So for example, every LGBTQ plus history month which is every February you can highlight people across the curriculum you can even ask your students to do some work on it the peer-led work around this is like beautiful when you get children young people to do it themselves or ask where they would like to see themselves represented better um, in the curriculum and there's just such an opportunity here to to have some fun with it for example there's a women's history month so why don't highlight lbt women Um, for black history month why not highlight lgbtq people of color and Doing this, I think, and it frees, frees everyone and it provides lots of opportunities to celebrate all the different ways of, um, of existing. And there's also, I think, something around. So, for example, if you're doing a, a maths or science lesson and you're talking about Alan Turing and how he came up with a computer, including the fact that he was gay. And that doesn't have to be that like, the only thing that you talk about him, you could talk about lots of different things about him, but that you definitely mention it. <laughs> because if not, what you end up having is a bit of an erasure. We just, you know, and for example, another wonderful example would be Frida Kahlo, um, and her experiences by a disabled woman of, of colour, but also talking about her art and how she explores her identity through her self-portraits. There's lots of as soon as you start looking, there's lots and lots of wonderful opportunities.
0: Yeah, and um Catherine, I know um that members of the key can can access um the work that you've done on an, on an audit of 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 curriculum. Are there any other um resources or or, or places that, that you'd recommend people look at, either of you?
2: I mean, I feel I should say that you know we we use Stonewall's um uh, curricula quite heavily when we were developing ours as a as a bit of an inspiration. So I would definitely recommend that and I'd say that regardless of who was <laughs> who else was on this podcast. Thank you.
1: We we try very hard to make it as easy as possible. We've got a guidance about primary schools and a guidance about secondary school curriculum. And there's also a getting started early years toolkit guide. It's not so much curriculum specific, but it does look at um how you might embed tackling gender stereotypes to guests throughout forms of play, which might be quite interesting. Um, yes, but there should be plenty plenty out there and on the stonewall website and i think we're also working on updating our book lists too which might be quite a helpful tool um yes for storytelling
0: great and it's yeah it's just um a a lens um that that once you start um applying i imagine and as you say involving involving students where appropriate that you then do just kind of get to some quite quite interesting and exciting places but it's sort of taking taking that first step Doing doing that sort of audit and 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 starting to think uh, differently um, about the examples the examples you share and um, the way that you that you talk about those some of those examples as well and yeah I I um you know I feel like we we we're talking a lot about um. A controversy uh, in this in this discussion, but I'm I'm conscious that you know we do we 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 are living through um, an interesting period where the words kind of culture wars are, are bandied around quite quite liberally, um, and you know I speak to a lot of head teachers who feel that they need to take positions on things quite quickly that are sort of bubbling up in the media or the students are particularly engaged with and i just wondered if either of you had um any advice for schools that are sort of a little bit nervous about about doing things that then um, you know and being sort of open about their work on, on gender um, and LGBTQ positivity, and then that gets kind of misconstrued in the local paper or 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 something or something like that. How would you encourage them to kind of um, think through those? I think I'd say that this work is important. It's really important, and I'd even go
1: so far as to say that it's life changing. We know that. You will have LGBTQ plus children and young people in your school, and they will be part of your wider school community. Um, and that actually, by doing this work, we know that it actually improves the educational experience of all children and young people. If you have an LGBTQ plus equality group, all pupils benefit. If you tackle homophobic, biphobic, transphobic language, it's not just LGBTQ plus children and young people who experience that kind of language. It's all children and young people. Anyone who's different, It'd be the girl who's really good at sports and the boy who isn't. Um, we also know that all children young people grow up to see LGBTQ plus people existed in, in, in the wider world. Um, and this work is just so important because um, these children and young people have a right to exist and they have a right to be safe from bullying, from the risk of uh, poorer mental health, and they deserve to be seen in the curriculum. So my advice would be come back to your school values. What is it about your setting that makes you your setting, your setting and how can you embed inclusion throughout that and how can you make sure that you are doing right by your LGBTQ plus pupils and I don't think that you have to raise you know raise a rainbow flag and let everyone know but I do think that you need to do some things to let people know that it's safe to be themselves at your school and that you would welcome them and support them to be themselves. Things like um The little indicators we know, like if you introduce your pronouns or if you have a rainbow coloured lanyard or if you have, we know that children, young people who are feeling like they don't belong anywhere are always looking for cues that they can be safe with you. And I think that's so important for a school because really you want children to turn up and to study (laughs) and to learn and um and these things I think can be real barriers because when you get it right when you've supported an LGBTQ plus young people person to be themselves and they leave your school and they are proud to have been a part of your school and to be seen for who they are I think there's no there's no there's no greater feeling than that um so and I mean press stuff will probably always happen but honestly this work is important and it is right and if you ever need any help we're we're happy to help
0: yeah and I think what you said there is 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 so important about like fundamentally school is a place where every child should feel safe and able to be themselves and whatever the school's kind of founding values or beliefs are you know that that should be part of them so it is really returning to those kind of first principles rather than getting caught up in you know what should or shouldn't we be doing now according to you know the court of public opinion or the newspapers or whatever and 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 actually sticking sticking to those core things and you can't go too far wrong catherine is there anything that you'd like to add there I don't think I can really, really top that. I think that was such a great answer. Um,
2: No, I think we've already spoken about it as well, but um, I think highlighting that there is an understanding of age appropriateness when we're talking about what's going on in schools, um, particularly in primary, just really highlighting that teaching about inclusivity and love in in those general terms rather than it's just setting the expectations isn't it and making it really clear what you mean in your school if it's exactly what you said you know it's your school's values and covering those and that you're not trying to teach things which are much more appropriate to older children it's yeah yeah yeah.
1: I think I think you're you're completely right because something that I've missed out, but I think we've been talking about if you if you think about the school community, when did they have a really good LGBTQ plus inclusive education? When have they ever been taught or explained or shown like that we're talking about not not um we're about the fact that these identities exist and are valid, these relationships exist and are valid, and that they are part of our community and like framing it in those terms because I think you're right, most of what we're handling is fear and Um, uncertainty and if we are really transparent about what we're actually talking about it's actually
0: a lot less scary than we think yeah yeah no it's exactly exactly so and uh it's sort of educating people as to as to how you're educating and why you're educating children um in, in in some ways and and understanding that yeah what people maybe don't understand about it is what's causing some of that some of that fear or anxiety and um just wanted to 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 touch on you know we've recently heard a, a lot about kind of peer on peer sexual abuse the the everyone's invited website and um the the ofsted review that 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 really um showed to what scale there is to to this and the fact that um, you know a lot of sexist language know, uh, I mean, obviously we've been talking about language today is 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 used in 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 schools um kind of just just interested to to, to think through any kind of particular uh, safeguarding considerations or, or aspects to this with with regard to um lgbtq plus pupils
1: Yes, I mean, the the Ofsted report specifically talked about LGBT plus children and young people. So they found that they were, they that LGBTQ plus young people report, reported that there was a really big gap between the staff's knowledge of incidents and then their actual experience of um, harmful sexual behaviour. They also experienced far more homophobic and transphobic insults and bullying corridors. Um, and that was mentioned across quite a few schools. And then I think there were a couple of other things, which is that LGBT young people reported um, constant verbal abuse and occasional physical assaults, And and then there was a comment also, which comes back to the teacher confidence bit, which is um, free teachers hearing homophobic and sexist language but not challenging it, it's not sure that they would be supported by their staff and that the challenges would be disregarded. I think that's a really uh, important thing for leadership teams to think about how you're, you're fostering a, an environment where people feel confident. And then lastly, the literature review found that there were... The experiences of LGBTQ plus young people indicated that they were more likely to experience child sexual abuse and less likely to report sexual abuse than their peers. I think this explains quite a few things that I think we thought we knew, but we the the, the evidence, I suppose, was needed, and it just really highlights the importance of language of when you're talking about peer and peer abuse. That you are LGBTQ plus inclusive when you talk about it. You, people shouldn't be expecting it to just be happening one way or in a gender specific way and that teachers should have real confidence in tackling HBT bullying and language. Um, And that we need to create more of an evidence base to better understand the experiences of LGBTQ plus young people so we can better protect them from harm. Um, There's a lot of work to be done here.
0: Yeah, and, um, you know, across, um, you know, all 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 children really this this sense that um reporting will not result in any kind of action or if it does result in action, you know there will be negative consequences for the victim because you know they will have gotten a appear into into trouble um and yeah I think as you say it's been it's been difficult without without this degree of evidence. And you know, particularly the testimony of, of, of so many young people and their and their voice coming through with the everyone's invited and with the report itself It is really heartbreaking and to think about about, as we were saying, the experiences of um a, a young person who is LGBTQ in, in your school um and um what they might be going through or feeling or thinking if they don't feel included. Um so Yeah, as you say, a a lot of a lot of work to do um, to, you know, for for everybody, but particularly to 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 have regard um, to this group when you're when you're thinking about your response and your your policies and and actions here.
1: Yeah, you don't want fear of coming out to be a barrier to reporting something. And we know that children are afraid of having to come out if they even report bullying. You so can't even imagine, or even the implication that they might actually be able to be us, even if perhaps they're not.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, and you know, and, and it also may be happening at a stage where they don't, they just don't feel ready to 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 come out, or you know, it. Yeah, it, it, yeah, as you say, it's sort of um, there's an additional there's an additional concern there, um, for for those young people in in terms of accessing accessing support. Catherine, was there anything that you wanted to add on that point? I was just gonna say about about policies which you've just
2: touched on that policies I think are a really good place here to be mindful of um you know how you're covering things like anti bullying policy um are you explicitly putting in that about gendered based are you do you have explicit um guidance around when it's homophobic biphobic transphobic bullying? And I think the more that these things are talked about in schools and the more training that staff can receive about this form of, of, of bullying and abuse, I think that can only be a good thing, in, in, my, in my personal opinion. Um, the more familiar they are around language and the more that that then is reflected in the policy, it it, it all goes back to that, that culture, doesn't it? The school's culture, the feeling confident to talk about these things and, and tackle these things Without the the fear of of not being quite sure what to what to say what to do, the language,
0: I think it all comes back to that and it's it, it's it's recognizing that you know that I think some people feel you know language uh is you know going to all this effort to police language doesn't necessarily have have an impact, but it absolutely does. And, um, you know, and it's and it's one area where as a school, you can make quite a clear stance as to to what's acceptable and not acceptable. Um, And, uh, yeah, I think it's 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 having a clear sense of how you're going to to tackle that and, and and reinforce it. And it will be. It will take it will take a lot of, of, of work to do it, but it all contributes to those people um, feeling feeling, you know, everybody in your school feeling safe to be who they are, which is which is vital. Um, was there anything else either of you wanted to say uh, to our to our audience of uh, school, school leaders, school governors and, and other interested folk before closing?
2: There's one kind of like anecdote that's really stuck with me from when I was was talking to people and and doing the research for our our audit, um, which kind of comes down to watching kind of your really kind of implicit um, biases and where you might be, without even really realising it, kind of enforcing particularly gender stereotypes in school. And and the thing that, that really stuck with me was it's really common in primary schools to have um in libraries um like a boys corner um because it's such a known thing that boys can be the more reluctant readers that it's such a common thing to go okay we're going to make this really appealing corner of a library for boys and it will be full of football books it will be full of all these really stereotypically you know boyish interests and how things like that which is so 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 common what they can actually do is you'll have the boys who really hate those kind of you know hate football hate whatever that that um trucks whatever that really boyish thing is that that school has decided on and that then sets them off on that path of oh I don't like these things I now feel a bit ashamed because i'm I'm a boy, but I don't like these things, and I don't like what's in the boys' corner and and likewise, there'll be girls out there who are who are football mad and they're going, oh well now i can't I can't voice that I can't read those books because I've been told that bogus those go in the boys' corner um and that's just really really stuck with me. It's just like one example of how while trying to encourage you know reluctant pupils, you're actually kind of really implicitly putting in that um gender divide and that's something that's yeah really stuck with me as something to kind of keep an eye on is whether there is this implicit um splitting of the genders happening Mm. for and honestly you know good and 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 pure-hearted reason I'm looking at whether there's other ways to do that which don't start segregating by a characteristic like gender
1: Mm. yeah that's a really good point and then I think I'd just say that if you feel like you don't understand LGBTQ plus like even what the word stand, the you know what the acronym stands for, and you're feeling a bit overwhelmed, like I think that this is just about a commitment to being open-minded and to unlearning that you would fall in love with a certain person, that you are a certain person. And even I'd say I want to say that, like, even I have not got it completely right. Even I, if you put me in a room with a 15 year old LGBTQ plus young person would learn a lot and they would tell me a lot about how I could be doing my work better. So listen to young people, centre them in your work, and we just need to try our best to do
0: right by them. Great advice there and we will share some of the links to things that we've been mentioning in the podcast. Really grateful to uh, Sydney and Catherine for talking to us today and thank you very much for listening. Key Voices is produced by The Key, giving education leaders the knowledge to act. Members of The Key for School leaders can access hundreds of articles on the latest issues in education at thekeysupport.com and please Tell us what you think of the podcast, rate, review and subscribe or email me at caroline.doherty at thekeysupport.com with your thoughts and suggestions.